the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. G'day, g'day, this is Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid and you're listening to the All Australian Music Stories. This episode is on Good Time Aussie band, Short Stack. I'm speaking with lead singer and guitarist Sean Diveny about the band's rise to the top after first bursting onto the scene in 2009. Short Stack's music was never going to create world peace or fix the environmental issues. It never claimed it was going to. The band were just three mates who went from jamming in the garage to having a handful of hit singles topping the album charts and along the way creating mass hysteria amongst their fans. They are three mates just living the rock and roll dream. Sean is one of Australian music's most charismatic frontmen of the last decade and he's just a cool dude. Now that the haters have moved on and the dust has settled on Short Stack's career, what's left is a heap of catchy songs that get you singing and grooving along and sometimes that's all you want from your rock and roll and this band does that well. I hope you enjoy listening to the career of Short Stack.
I'm reaching out. I'm reaching now. I'm reaching out to get to you. Today I'm talking with Sean Diveny of Shortstack. So, Sean, how are you going, mate? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, not a problem at all. I've got to ask you the hard question straight off. Is Gazzy still giving you our 50% off at Ocean Blue? <laughs> uh, he actually, um, I don't know what he's done. He's opened at some fancy swanky restaurant in uh, Honeysuckle in Newcastle. So, mate, he's forgotten about the coast, but they still look after me down there. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, it's safe to say that at its peak, Shortstack, created pandemonium amongst your fans was it hard to keep a, a level head with such hysteria going on around you uh I, yes no i think we're all we're all pretty grounded i guess in in i guess kind of in a, in a way <laughs> we're all pretty good at pulling each other into line which i suppose is is good like never afraid to tell each other when they're being a bit of a dickhead so i think that's what sort of well we didn't do anything too stupid <laughs> <laughs> So you, you, you leveled each other out, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we all grew up together. We all came from pretty humble beginnings. So it was, it was definitely a case of, you know, keeping each other in line. Well, Shortstack had a huge amount of success. And, and with that level of fame brings detractors out of the woodwork. And, and yeah. in the age of the internet, everybody's a critic, as you be <laughs> well aware. But it must have amused you when you, these so-called critics are calling Shortstack a manufactured boy band. When yeah. you, you guys are something that three mates got together, jamming out in the backyard like every old good old-fashioned band does, living the rock and roll dream. Yeah, it's kind of flattering. We uh we didn't think we were pretty enough to be a boy band, so <laughs> it was uh it was flattering in a way. But um yeah, it, it's not something we put too much thought in, to be honest with you. It I suppose it's it's weird when people sort of detract from the hard work you've done putting it down to sort of the big machine, I guess. But we did a tour with the Vamps, which are a manufactured boy band, and you know the way they operated compared to us was you know infinitely different. So I feel we sort of got a glimpse into what what it actually is like to be like that like that sort of act and it's crazy man it's like they run it like a business crazy well short stack is um as you said from budgie and that's a town on the central coast of new south wales and for people it listening is. it's about 50 miles as the crow flies from uh, from newcastle and and silverchair territory uh did, yeah. you, did you guys as growing up were you influenced by silverchair a little bit yeah i think um probably a 
bit too young. I appreciate them now more so than when I was younger because I think um, like they're local heroes where we were. But yeah, we were probably just a bit too young to fully get the the full craziness of it. We played um a festival and we played a few festivals with them, and they were just phenomenal live. And they're just like, yeah, we didn't want to set the bar too high, so we didn't uh, spend our time idolizing musicians like that who are really, really, really good. We uh, we just set it really low. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys enter a band competition, much like Silverchair, but you guys enter Youth Rock in 2005. Yeah, and I think uh, they won. We didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> you come under the radar of Trevor Steele, and he's he was a guy who was in a, in a band called The Escape Club, a UK band, and they had a yeah. uh, massive worldwide hit with uh, Wild Wild West. So being around someone like that, did that help before the craziness began trying to learn a bit of the music side of things, the business side of things? Oh, definitely. He he did an amazing job of sort of fostering us to the band that we became. And I think, um, you know, he really highlighted what was important. And I think a lot of a lot of acts sort of forget about songs. And at the end of the day, he was very much a song guy, like really focusing on your songs as your tools. Because, you know, I think if you, if your songs are good, that's, that's just a testament to how good you are as a band so he really you know knuckled into us the the art of i suppose pre-production on a record and and how to really craft something and really work on it and slave over individual songs rather than jumping over the place so he sort of gave us a discipline that he also taught us sort of studio discipline i guess especially around uh recording vocals so that's something we learned through him and we were lucky enough to have his sort of tutorage early on in our career yeah, he was someone that sort of had come to Australia and and mm. I suppose people didn't realise his pedigree that, that he had, you know, a, a worldwide yeah. hit, a number one hit in America. So you can't get much better than that, number one on the Billboard charts. No, not at all. He was pretty quick to pull us in the line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's 2008 and you guys have signed a Universal Records. Mm. So Shortstack's first release is, you know, going back in time, it's a CD single. And yeah. the, uh, the first song is uh, Shimmy A Go Go. Yeah. And on the charts, Shimmy Go Go reaches number 34. How did this song come to be your first release? Um, I don't know. I think that's the one the record label chose. We, um, such a funny story. It, it, this, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but this shows you how long ago it actually was. Like the day before we were doing a press tour and we somehow went to a shopping center and the Sanity was selling the record earlier like wherever the hell we were i forget where we were and it's a big issue because they'd broken street date and obviously the street date affects the chart so it's like no one sells physical singles anymore <laughs> so it's, it's it's just humorous to look back at it it wasn't really that long ago 10 years ago but yeah it was how fast the industry changes but we sort of um decided on that i don't really know i don't know i think of all the, i think we sort of released three from that record and that's the only one in a minor chord progression which is a bit weird um but yeah we like that song it's really cool it's a bit different everything else on the record i think so i i I honestly don't know how we came to choosing that
before on this podcast is uh cole joy and obviously cole joy's australian music royalty basically and yeah. what he said to me is it's hard to get on the ladder but if you can get yourself on the ladder even if it's the first rung you're on the ladder then you can start climbing it and uh and yeah. that's that's what's happened with shimmy go go it's got to 34 maybe if it hadn't been uh released you know started being selling a bit early you never know might have... <laughs> 33 exactly <laughs> So the next single short stack release is Princess, and yeah. again that reaches number eleven on the chart. So you are you guys are on an upward trajectory. Yeah, when we started playing locally, that was like our song, if that makes sense. So like we had that one up our sleeves for a while, and we always knew that was going to be a good one. Um, I don't know why we thought it. We just it just had an energy about it, and when we played it live, well, we've been playing it live for like three years before we released it. So it was really cool to see it sort of take off the way it did. I think of a whole career, the fact that that didn't crack the top 10 is probably the thing that pissed me off the most. I remember, like, we worked so hard to get it to chart. Oh, what was the song? There was some song that charted ahead of it. It was just some shitty single from some dude overseas that, like, wouldn't have given a fuck if it charted in Australia or not. I remember being so pissed off about it. I was like, ah, we always had a a top 10 single. We're number 11. Like, fucking hell. This incentive represents this dimly lit room just a minute in. My heartbeat beat climbs in sync with Captivate me as you shed your skin. Everything 
So the much-anticipated album is released, and it's called, great name, Stack is the New Black. And it debuts at number one on the ARIA chart. So a, a number 11 single, number 10 single means nothing when you've got a number one album on the ARIA charts. So yeah, I remember where we were when they called me. Well, that's what I was going to say. Where, where were you, and how did you feel to have a number one record? We were in Melbourne, and George Ash, who's the head of Universal, calls me and says, we think it's going to debut at number one. And we didn't really expect it. We weren't really working towards it. So it was, it was pretty crazy. It's, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was just really unexpected, I guess, would be the, would be the word for it. Um, but everything sort of changed after it debuted at number one. I suppose the biggest difference was, you know, people came to shows now. Went <laughs> 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 from playing to like 20 people to playing to like 200, playing to 2,000. And it sort of, it sort of just went from there. Well, stack is a new black, it goes gold. That doesn't, yeah. does that work? Black is the new goes gold, but everyone knows what I mean. It's a, <laughs> it reaches gold in, uh, in record sales and it contains yeah. another hit single, Sway Sway Baby. Yeah, that went to number two. See, it pisses me off more that that was no, the princess was number 11 and this was number two because the song that beat it to number two was uh, Black Eyed Peas song. And that's a banger. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll give it to him. I give it to her. <laughs> Number one spot was held by the Black Eyed Peas, as you said. I've got a feeling. You know, yeah, great song. And uh, the the song that was number three uh, was uh, Lady Gaga's Paparazzi. So oh, as really? far as the world musical hierarchy stands, you guys are amongst some very impressive names there for three lads yeah, from Budgie Boy. Exactly. So those, both those songs are way better than Sway Sway. <laughs> <laughs> Another great song is uh, Ladies and Gentlemen. It's another one yeah. off this, this album. It doesn't yeah. chart, but did this song go across well live? Yeah, that was, that was the first song on the record. They just wanted to release another one, so we were like, ah, we'll put that out. We think it's kind of cool. Want to make a film clip for it, which is pretty fun as well. Um, yeah, it was just the first song off the album. Um, yeah, so we put that out, did all right. 
<laughs> yeah, said, got, some, got some great lines in it. We're members of the Red Carpet Academy and things like that. So, yeah, as I said, it's it's a good good pop song and, you know, yeah. it's it's not cha- trying to change the world, but it's, you know, I'm sure it got people up and dancing. Yeah, that's it. I think we um, played it on our last tour as well. It's kind of, yeah, it's a bit weird, that song. It's a bit weird how that came about. We, we really, that was one of the first songs that we sort of jammed together as a band in the studio. So usually I would just come to the boys and be like, this is sort of what I've been working on. We go from there. But that one we sort of, you know, had the time to work on individual sections and sort of flesh it out a little bit more. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say this story seems alive? Away from you will hope for love on home. Self alone and write a history for teens with dreamers true. Then he looks her in the eye. She can set his hiding spades and her and plans. Such a crush of sons. Disclaimers wish for wins And I do hands And he said baby jump From the hospital We're on a every mammals of the red carpet academy thing From the hospital We're on a every mammals of the red carpet academy So wrap your lips around these lies Into my arms Into the sea Ladies and gentlemen, the truth Definition of your tongue packed full of slick And this relationship we'll see In this hostile plague of hospital sound From the hospital, we're honorary members of the Red Carpet Academy From the hospital, we're honorary members of the Red Carpet Academy So wrap your lips around these lies Into my arms, into the sea We're playing at a home team, quarterbacker We're swaying by the home team, swimming in love A huge part of the short stack success was playing live and touring, and mm. and the screaming hysterical reception you guys received from your fans is something that few people will ever experience. What was it yeah. like standing up in front of that heaving mass of humanity, just all eyes on you, and their their attention is to you, and and all they want to hear is is words coming out of your mouth. It's kind of weird. It's weirder to think about now than it felt at the time because, like, at the time we'd been doing it for so long. We we started playing shows when we were, like, 15. And I think when this happened, we were, like, 21. So it was, like, it just felt like a natural progression. It was just, like, gigging for five years. And it was, like, oh, this is what happens when a band gigs for five years. It sort of gets to this point. It was only when we were a little bit older we realized it sort of doesn't happen to everybody. Um, yeah, we're just super fucking lucky. Like, <laughs> really, let's, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> well, to keep the fans happy, you guys released Sweet December, and it, it does crack the top ten. It goes number eight on the charts. Did so, it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> so it's um obviously Sweet December. You, you guys released it in December, so obviously. Yeah, they the- wanted us to write a Christmas song. We thought it was kind of a little bit corny. So we were like, we're like uh, is that December in it? That'll pass. They're like, yeah, I suppose that'll pass. <laughs> well, I suppose it wasn't Jingle Bells at least, so. No, no, no. Labor would have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming home, I'm coming home, I'm coming home. 
Showing the level of success that Shortstack achieved at the Channel V Music Awards, the band was voted Oz Artist of the Year in 2008. You guys yeah. were runner-up in 2009, and beat again, by Kiss Chasey. yeah, well, again, the year after, you guys are voted Oz Artist of the Year again in 2010, ahead of such acts as The Living End and The Veronicas. So again, these are these are really popular names for you guys to be in this Take company. That. Take that, Chris Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he goes to bed sleep. He's sure he goes to sleep thinking about it still. Um, it, it's it's kind of funny. The sort of you get to a point in your career, music-wise, where you it's really weird. It's like you don't know these people, but you know their work, so you sort of know them already, and they know your work. It's really weird. It's really weird. I remember we were at this like after party after a festival with the Living End once. We're just hanging out with Chris Cheney, and it's like it's it's like oh you're in LA, I'm in LA this time. We should meet up, and it's like oh get Chris Cheney's phone number. And it never happened, but it's like you're drunk and you're just talking about it. And he's like, oh, it's kind of weird. Just asked the dude from Living End for his phone number and he gave it to you. So it's, it's super weird. Well, the fact that security hasn't grabbed you and thrown you out shows that you, <laughs> you're you in some sort of company where, where there's respect anyway from, from both sides. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it was respect. I think you just wanted me to leave him alone. <laughs> Give me f- I never rang it. It's probably a fake number. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just we'll get onto that respect sort of thing. Does was that something that sort of stuck in your craw that you guys are, are releasing music? And as we said, it's it, music is entertainment, and yeah. you, you had certain bands who who talk about selling out and credibility and all this sort of stuff. And they're bands that are selling fifty albums at a time, and and they're playing to fifty people. And and I, I suppose a lot of jealousy was was part of that. That you know. You guys had had a really good image. You had hair that would have been uh, well suited in the new romantic era, or <laughs> bands like Poison or Pseudo Echo or something like that. But it's yeah. the rock and roll industry, you know. It's the entertainment industry. So if you yeah. you look like you've just finished work and you've got up on stage, well, what's that? Anyone can do that. You guys had an image. Mm. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I, we we never really put too much thought into it. To be honest with you, we never really took it too seriously. I guess like at the end of the day, we were just. We're a band that grew up playing in the garage. All we wanted to do was maybe play to like 350 people at the Annandale and it would have been like the best thing in the world. And that's sort of the craziest thing that, that felt to us. It's like when it, when the band sort of felt its biggest was like when we 
when we got like 200 people to the shows and it was like, wow, this is amazing. This is sort of it. And then everything that happened after that was kind of just a bonus. So, yeah, I, I suppose we did have people detracting from us, but never really took it too seriously to begin with. So um, have you got someone like 360, a rapper who's, who's you know, slinging, slinging arrows your way? Yeah. It, it, didn't, it didn't cost you any sleep at night? Um, not really, mate. Like private school boy with neck tattoos isn't really going to yeah, upset me too much. <laughs> <laughs> You're a boy from Budgie Boy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That was oh, it. Always really amused us when people sort of brought us down. But man, we like I don't. I really don't take it personally. Like <laughs> we shit on we shit on everybody, and I don't. And I hope they don't take it personally. Well, it's the old saying: it oh, any publicity is good publicity as long as they spell your name right. So yeah, <laughs> if, if they're talking about you, people are hearing about you. So, so we'll get back to the music. And uh, the second album you guys release is in two thousand and ten. Great title. This is Backcountry. This goes to number six on the Aria charts, and like your debut album, it goes gold. The lead single is Planets, a great yeah. song. Banger. <laughs> The label was right, right ahead. I'm like, here you fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out to get to you.
single we've ever released where i was like this is this is fucking great and um yeah it's, it's really difficult thing to be sort of in a successful band that comes from a scene which we came from is to walk a fine line where if, if you get if you get a song played on the radio it doesn't really mean too much to your fans but it's pretty important to keep the band going in the fact that you know you get you get offered opportunities to play kind of corporate gigs and shit like that because you know they they know that one song so it's 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 not so much it's just to keep the band going so it's really hard to walk a fine line between a single that is going to get played on the radio and a single that your fans are going to like if that makes sense yeah well certainly the fans like this one because planet goes to number four on the aria charts and ends up selling platinum so it's selling over seventy thousand units and again that's that's testament to your to your ability thanks mate yeah, that was that was pretty cool. That's that's probably the song we spent the most time slaving over as well and experimenting with, and just really, yeah, we were just really certain of it as a as a single. Um, and then it gave us the freedom to do whatever whatever we wanted. Like the next one we released was we danced with a different disco, which is very much a short stack song. But like we didn't expect it to chart well because it's such a it's a bit rockier. It's a bit more um, what would be the word. It was a bit more influenced by our roots, more so than the other one, which is a bit more pop influenced and a bit more of a sort of four to the floor thing. But yeah, it's 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 the bands have to write hit bands have to write singles to to continue being bands. Unfortunately, if we could all like you know be Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> it'd be nice, but we can't. <laughs> We're not that talented. We dance alone tonight because we dance to a different disco. Shut up and cast me Live on the feet I love 
One thing that uh, that always made me laugh is the uh, the Nickelodeon Awards. I've got a couple of kids, so I've I've sat through countless Nickelodeon Awards. Oh, poor thing. And um, well, you you've been uh, voted the hottest Aussie male, the favourite song <laughs> with Sway Sway Baby, and also you won an award for the uh, the best Aussie bands. But impressive as that is, I want to know: Did you get slimed? We did. We did get slimed. It was um, what was it? It's it feels exactly how you'd think it'd feel. <laughs> <laughs> It tastes like shit. It smells like shit. But it's it's a really cool experience. You know what I mean? And that's the thing when we sort of look back at everything we've done. And we're really fortunate enough to have sort of those really fun kind of moments. Like we got a shit ton of awards, but the only one that sort of I really care about is the Nickelodeon one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just cool, man. You know? Well, as we were saying before, you you know, if you're a, a hot Triple J band, you're playing at the <laughs> Annandale in front of 150 people. So, you know. Yeah. You guys, you guys became a, a pop band and and yeah. you know kick butt basically. You, you know, you you're playing to the masses and and that's all that matters. It's you know people would like to say that oh you know the 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 demographic that you guys were playing to was younger. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You know people like music. It's you know you yeah. guys never came out and said hey we're Beethoven so listen <laughs> listen to this. So yeah, we couldn't even if we wanted to. <laughs> We danced to a different disco, as I said. It, actually, I think it hit the you know, number forty on the charts. Yeah. But short stack was never about the charts so much. Anyway, if you go on to YouTube, you guys have had over a million views for that song. So yeah. So if you look at that, you say, well, there's a million people clicking onto that song. Whether it's a hundred thousand people have clicked it ten times, or a million people have clicked it once, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, and, and Short Stack did something that no Australian band had ever done before. You guys really pushed that social media. MySpace was massive at the time. You had Short Stack TV. You guys yeah. had your own podcast. You guys did this better than any Australian band had ever done up until that stage. Thanks, man. It was um, it was something we really implemented ourselves as well, which is really cool. And you know, I think it's it's what gave the band the longevity that it had. Just that uh, just that connection with the fan base. Well, another song I like off this album, this is Backcountry, is Heartbreak Made Me a Killer. the soul.
Was this this was filmed in Cambodia? Is that right? Yeah, we went to Cambodia. We've been to Cambodia before, so when the opportunity came up to do that, we were we were pretty excited about it. We um yeah, it was it was really fun. So we we just stayed on this little resort this Australian guy had and filmed a film clip over like three or four days in Cambodia and stayed on this river and yeah, it was uh it was pretty third world. Like you know, there were no like restaurants or some parts of it didn't even have like proper electricity or running water or anything. So it was an eye opening experience to see it and you know, a place with such history as well. Like it was it's uh when was it? I think it was around Vietnam or something that everything there sort of went south a bit. But um yeah, it's just uh, it's, uh, it, it was a really good experience and little things like that, like we're pretty fortunate to to be to have the opportunity to do that. Well, as you said, you're in a, a third world country and, and I'm sure they, they weren't too up to date on short stack in your career, but <laughs> no. <laughs> but on the other side of the coin, you guys just received enormous love and praise from your fans. A large portion, were, as we said, were, were teenage girls or screaming teenage girls. <laughs> did this attention cause you guys any problems or did you ever feel like you could be torn limb from limb? <laughs> no, not really. I've been with my wife since I was like eighteen, so I was uh, I was always relatively well behaved. I can't speak for the other boys, but I was I was relatively well behaved. <laughs> okay. So, given the amount of craziness that short stack created amongst the, uh, the the teenage girl, I shouldn't say teenage girls because there was plenty of boys going to your concert as well. But so the, <laughs> I'll say the, uh, the the Australian teenagers. So, given the amount of craziness that short stack created amongst Australian teenagers. Was there much interest overseas in international markets? Um, not particularly, I don't think. We went to London a couple of times. We went to the States a bit, but we never really toured there actively. I suppose at the end of the day, we always ran the band like, you know, getting down the nitty gritty. We sort of always ran it as a business and, you know, this was our day jobs. Um, so we had to do what was profitable and, you know, we, we had a product that was successful in a territory and had a demographic that we appealed to. So, you know, it's it's just about capitalizing on your opportunities. And, you know, we had – our books were pretty full. Like, we were booked doing festivals pretty much all year round in Australia. So, we – yeah, look, we, we did the UK a little bit. Um, we went there a couple of times. We recorded a record there too. But, um, yeah, we just really focused on Australia. Um, yeah, that's just something that we sort of did. Well, seeing where your credibility was at in Australia, as I said, there was a lot of detractors and these detractors were often people that I, I think a lot of was driven by jealousy. I can't say that for <laughs> sure, but there was a lot of detractors out there and, and, and I think a lot of them were probably had never listened to much of the music, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, Then they would have hated us way more. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as uh, career highlights, where does it rank with you guys getting the cover of the Australian Rolling Stone magazine? Oh, that's number one. That's like that. That's the one where people, where you say to people, "Ah, oh, I used to be in a band." And I was like, "Oh yeah, me too." And you were like, "Nah, I was in a fucking band." Um, that's always a really cool one. Um, like I got mates now that like they'll give me shit for it. And they're like, "Oh, Rolling Stone." Um, but yeah, that's 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 definitely number one. That's sort of that was our only real sort of genuine we made it kind of moment. It's one of those things that seems so unattainable. You don't even think about it as being realistic. And then when it happened, we were like, wow, this is crazy. And Matt, who Matt, who is the guy that worked there that gave us the opportunity for it. He's like, can't thank him enough for it. Cause it's just, it's just something really cool, man. Well, another honor that was bestowed on you guys was when the uh, Aussie music icon Johnny Young was inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame. Yeah. You guys played one of his hits from the 60s, Caroline. Well done. Ladies and gentlemen, our next inductee has been part of the Australian music scene 
for more than four decades. We first knew Johnny Young as a pop star in the 60s. He was a songwriter and a producer and a music entrepreneur who long ago saw the power of music on television and tirelessly championed young talent. To perform Carolyn, the flip side of Johnny's 1966 hit Step Back, please welcome from the central coast of New South Wales, Shortstack. Now she is a mixture Wanna see the shape she's in Why she got it ever been Oh Why she's got it ever been What you got, what you got Why she's got it ever been Why she's got it ever been You give me something that I need Well, satisfaction's guaranteed I'm on my knees I'm on my knees What you got, what you got I'm on my knees What you got, what you and yeah. to, to put a short stack modern feel on this song, you guys did it well. And it must Thanks, have been buddy. great to be up on this ARIA stage playing to your peers, inducting someone like Johnny Young into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was awesome. It, it, it was really cool. Um, just something so different, such a really special opportunity, you know. And yeah, it was, there, but there was a lot of pressure on it because it's a room full of, um, a room full of people that aren't necessarily our audience and we're doing something that we don't necessarily do, which is, you know, interpret another guy's songs poorly <laughs> but um no nah, he was awesome he was uh i don't know if you liked it too much or not but um well, it was pretended. a different era from from <laughs> when he was in the 60s but then again he wrote the real thing and and stuff like that so i'm sure musical yeah. experimentation is is something that he would be into so yeah i'm sure he i'm sure he would have been chuffed just to see a young aussie band up there kicking one of his songs anyway yeah definitely well when we were um when we were there someone would say that he still gigs in perth or something like that wherever he lives still plays like every weekend at the iris club i was like whoa that's crazy well that's what this podcast is about is is artists like johnny young is they're yeah. still out there you know i've i've interviewed lucky star and and people like that lonnie lee they, they've been yeah. performing they were at the very start of rock and roll in australia and 60 years wow. later they're still gigging you know so it's crazy you know so i can i can see short stack in the retirement villages you know you guys with zimmer frames <laughs> and uh. Nah, <laughs> we're not cut out for that. <laughs> well, over the time I've seen you guys make some great film clips and, you know, you, you see um, in Sway Sway Baby, for instance, the rabbit suits and the pillow fights and, yeah. and things like that. Another one that springs to mind is the, uh, the razor blade tongue in uh, Planets. You know, yeah. that, that's a bit freaky. But another really good one is uh, Bang Bang Sexy. Bang Bang Sexy. Saturday night, 
Yeah, so we were on, uh, we did a competition with Australia's Next Top Model, and I got the models in the film clip. Yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> so tall. We felt so short. Like, I'm not a short dude. I think I'm around about six foot. But they were so tall. And I was like, oh, I need like a box or something. Next to the <laughs> but um, yeah, the actual best one was when we did Disco Honey. So Xbox paid for Disco Honey. We had Xboxes in the film clips. And they gave us a whole bunch of Xboxes. That well, you can't sick. beat that. That was pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> So in 2012, the unthinkable happens and Short Stack breaks up. Yeah. It's no spoiler to say that you guys sorted it out and reformed two years later, but what was the reason for the initial split? Uh, so we just got over it. You know, we're with three very, very, very different people. Um, and, you know, we all love each other. But, yeah, sometimes we, we just weren't creatively aligned. And, you know, we thought we'd rather – we always said we'd rather call it a day than sort of um, just churn out shit that we didn't want to do. So uh, we called it a day. At that point in time, we've been doing it pretty hardcore since like 2005. So it was like, what, seven years of just really, really hardcore touring and playing shows and, you know, just got over it. Well, when you said that about the album, or well, there's the album Art Vandalay, is, is it true that you guys didn't want to release that and that was part of the reason yeah. that, yep. Yeah, so I was, it was basically a whole bunch. I wanted to go off and write songs for other people and I was fortunate enough to write with like Reese Maston and, just a whole bunch of sort of really cool Australian acts. Um, and that album was pretty much just me writing a whole bunch of pop songs that we kind of recorded. It was never really meant to be a short stack album. And then they released it as a short stack album. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks. We, we, we didn't get permission for it to be released. And it was, it was a bit shitty <laughs> finding out that it, it got released. Well, I suppose to have, as you said, to having uh, music put out that you didn't really want to to say this is betraying the band yeah, yeah. that's it's probably you know a, a business side of things that they're just trying to to cash in i suppose but to the to the artist it doesn't really help you guys does it no not really i think it went to number five on the itunes charts without anyone even pushing it but pretty shit like <laughs> there's nothing special about it just a whole bunch of really crappy demos <laughs> <laughs> while the band takes a break you head to america and record an album six games under the title divinity from this album, I really like the song, You're So Cool. She said to me, boy, I confess, you are the best I've ever had, I've ever had, I've ever had, I've ever had. Let's turn this music up, but I hate the song, I need this part, we'll dance until we fall in love. I never wanna stop, oh baby, ooh, you're so cool, you're so cool. You're so cool. You're so cool. You're so cool. She said to me, Boy, let's address this trouble mess that is your mind. If you don't mind, then Man, I'd like to get inside your head And this is a tragedy It's honestly the death of me The death of me The death of me It's honestly Oh baby, baby Ooh Y'all so cool 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 
Y'all so And it goes And it goes like Yes Guitar She said to me Boy, I confess You are the best I've ever had You ever had I ever had I ever had Let's turn this music up I hate this song I need this love We'll dance until we find another I never wanna stop Oh, baby Ooh How did this album come about? Um, I worked on that for a while. That was uh, sort of meant to be like a, I don't know, it was meant to be a short section. But I played it the boys and they were like, yeah, I really like it. It's really cool. So they heard that before I put it out. Um, Brady worked on the production on some of that, my EP as well. So it was sort of a collaboration between all of us for a little bit. But yeah, it was, it was once again, it was just never really trying to set the world on fire. It was just, oh, I really want to make some music. So I just made some music. And I was still writing for other people at that point. That's sort of really what I wanted to do at that point. Really wanted to write for other people. As we spoke about before, Short Stack Reform and release a really catchy song, Television. Thanks, mate. I hate this town. I'm breaking up. I hope you don't forget me. But you're with it now. So watch me drown. It hopes you don't regret me, girl. To me, the same right with this tonight. I love this illusion, but the night is young. We learn outcomes and dream of revolution. While the city sleeps, we rule the streets. Our fingers intertwined, and as you melt, I lost myself in your kaleidoscope eyes. And can you just? It was a fine return to form for you guys, so it, it must have felt good to to get something out that people are going, "Well, this is the boys are back." Yeah, it was. It was just at the point where, well, I wrote an album, what was going to be my solo album, and just sent like a whole bunch of short state records. It was like, well, might as well just do a short state record. And the boys were on board. They were um, they were still doing music at the time, just hanging out. So yeah, we got the band back together. <laughs> So the band then re- you record your next album in the UK with legendary producer Chris Kimsey 
a producer yeah. that's worked with bands such as Rolling Stones, NXS, and uh, Duran Duran, just to name a few. How and was it working with such a – Yeah, well, you, it's gone to the top <laughs> of the list. You pushed the Stones down to second. <laughs> it was really cool. We just went to London and made an album and got pissed. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, yeah, that was that was sort of the point in our career where we're like, well, we sort of done everything we wanted to do. We really wanted to make like a garagey, rocky sort of album. Um, so we did. Well, the fans hadn't forgot about Short Stack and this album. It's a grittier side to the band, but it uh, reaches number five on the ARIA charts. So yeah. was it an anxious time before the album came out or you guys just were like, we're making music yeah. again? <laughs> we didn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> we're like, oh, if it charts, it charts. If it doesn't chart, it doesn't chart. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. It charts sort of, they obviously register some sort of success, but it feels like, like people listen to music, they don't really give a shit. You know what I mean? I remember someone said to me ages ago, they're like, no one buys an album off its charts or it's like it's review score you know what i mean yeah so it's um yeah it, it's a cool thing to have happen because obviously you know people don't really have to buy physical media anymore especially today like they can download it for free so that's more of the nice thing it's more nice when you know people support the band but um yeah we didn't really care about charts at, at this point well part of the mantra of this podcast is to spread the history of australian rock and roll and mm. obviously he's an American, but any song that name checks Elvis is off to a good start. So Elvis, <laughs> what a great song you guys put out. Very catchy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I like that one. That was a cool one. That was one of the first ones we wrote. Um, we demoed it up at Brady's studio and yeah, that was pretty cool. You look so mean, walk up in your blue jeans, say you love the old me, ask me where he's gone. Baby, don't stress, I know that you missed this. I know I'm reckless, but I only just begun. So how about this, you and me? We gon' blow this place to smithereens. Show me your moves! Hey, you don't impress me. You know you're no Elvis Presley. Show me, show me your moves. Show me your moves. Show me your na 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 na
Well, I've got this saying, don't take this question the wrong way. You need to hear me out to the very end. (laughs) (laughs) So Dance With Me was a single from the Homecoming album. And it's another hit for Short Stack. It reaches number 12 on the ARIA charts. And there was a bit of controversy around uh, a well-worn riff in this song. You (laughs) you guys were accused of pinching it from Jet's Are You Gonna Be My Girl, who them themselves were accused of pinching it from Iggy Pop with Lust For Life. He's pinched it from the Supremes. Exactly. Iggy, Iggy himself st- said, oh, I've stolen it from the Supremes. You can't hurry, love. So yeah. which version did you rip the riff off from? I'd like to say the Supremes, but it was definitely Iggy. <laughs> I remember, um, yeah, it's Lust for Life, isn't it? Like, exactly. And it's a, it's a great riff. So, And this oh. is rock and roll. You know, the uh, the Beach Boys borrowed from um, from Chuck Berry. And, and it's, so it's happening, been happening from day one. There's that, there's yeah. only so many chords or notes on a guitar that can be played. It's pretty it's, – yeah, it was always crazy, that one. It's like – and the Strokes last night, like that really influenced that one as well. That's what we're sort of trying to do, like a Strokesy kind of record. That's why we got Chris involved because he did the Stones and it's like really focused on that um, – Tinny drum sound, the the sound of the Fender, like especially a telly, like really high ringing guitars, no synths at all, no auto tune, just really focusing on getting all the sounds right and organic. And when I run out of words to say, every inch inside of you is begging me to stay. Baby, would I lie to you? It's better off this way. Makes me feel like everything's all right. So why don't you want to dance with me tonight? Girl, that's what you do to me This jealousy, it makes me lose my mind In the galaxy, I'd rather be than here with you tonight. And when I run out of words to say, every inch inside of you is begging me to stay. Baby, would I lie to you? It's better off this way. Makes me feel like everything's alright. So why don't you wanna dance with me tonight?
So yeah, it's it's an interesting concept of like when there's something stopping ripped off and start becoming part of a genre. You know what I mean? And that riff is sort of it's kind of borderline now. It's like you know MJ and stuff. He he pioneered a lot of beats, which now are you know sort of synonymous with dance music. But there's a time not so far after he released that where it would have been like, oh, well, he's just ripping off Michael Jackson. I was like, well, is he really ripping off Michael Jackson, or is this just like a staple of the genre now? And it's so sort it's of paying cool. homage to, as you said, to Iggy, and it's yeah, it's great rock and roll. Yeah, oh, we definitely went out of our way to write a song like that. <laughs> well, you guys gained some great rock and roll street cred when uh, you got kicked off the Vamps tour. Yeah, that, that, was- that was publicity that you you know you can't beat that sort of publicity. <laughs> they still owe me ten grand, just so we know, um, just so we're clear. If they're listening out there, well, uh, yeah, checks in the mail maybe. <laughs> That was super strange. So we we're pretty fortunate at the point in our lives where we're you know we're doing all right, you know, and it's like we're we were at the point in our career where we were just doing it for fun. Um, and we got offered the tour. So the inter- the really interesting thing about tours when a band is doing a tour that will compete with a bigger band's tour, they'll just offer you as a support and pay you a ridiculous amount of money to do it, so you're not competing with their tour. If that makes sense. Okay. So I think yes. That, yep. I think that's what happened here. Like, we're getting paid way too much to be on this. And then it's like they hired us and then, you know, we we carried on like us and they and they didn't really like it. It's um it's very weird. Like, they, yeah, I've, I've never been around that environment before and it left a really bad taste in my mouth, just the manufactured nature of it, especially about, um like, they, oh, man, it was just so weird. The whole thing was just super weird. Well, again, it sort of, I suppose I brought it back home that you guys were a real band and I'm sure you never needed any convincing that where, <laughs> where you were and where you came from, but to see, see a, a bubblegum band or a, a plastic band type thing and to see yeah. them and then realize that you got to where you were from putting calluses on your fingers, learning the guitar. Yeah. And, oh man, it was just so crazy. There's, there's things that happened, which like, I don't really like saying because I don't really like shitting on other people, but it's like, and it's and it's more the it's more the management around it and trying to and the image that they were trying to create around this band that just wasn't there. You know what I mean? It's like they were trying to create this five seconds of summer fanfare, and it just wasn't there. It was so weird. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, so you mentioned five sauce there. What what's your thoughts on those guys? Oh, I love them. We I, I sort of knew them before they exploded. Oh, that was man. Top blokes, great songs, just like awesome, awesome people. And again, Aussies pushing music to the world saying, hey, we're this island down here, but we do it just as good as you guys do. Oh, 100%. I think it's like there's so many Australians doing so well at the moment. Um, They're obviously at the forefront. They lost their Aussie accents, which disappoints me a bit, but it's like, what can you do? Like Amy Shark as well, she's doing incredible. Same with Dean Lewis. I think the interesting thing about it is – the biggest transition now we're sort of starting to see from music is away from the major label and more into independence, I guess. So, yeah, especially with Amy Shark and Dean Lewis, like they seem quite big staples of Unified, and which which is a subsidiary of a of a major label. But yeah, just you don't need a major label anymore, really, do you? Like people can find music by themselves. So what's the role of a major label? It's like, well put out best of the eagles and a so fresh cd once a year (laughs) and they take 95 percent of the royalties (laughs) yeah that's the thing as a musician you sort of have to be resigned to the fact you're never going to make money off record sales (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I sort of slighted the uh, the record companies there, but again, without the record companies, there is no record. So it's you know, it's a it's a catch twenty two situation basically. So definitely. Okay, definitely. so you guys had a number one album. Your other two albums that you released hit the top ten. And as far as single sales goes, ten short sack songs made the chart. So you've thrown in the millions of YouTube views, the downloads, the sold out tours. Short stack as a band, you guys lived a charmed life. Yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there's heaps of fans out there would would want me to ask this question right now. Will there ever be any more new music from Short Stack? Mm-mm, probably not. <laughs> um, it's. It's just not a sustainable lifestyle. Sorry, I had a call come in. Did I cut out, man? No, no, all good. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's just not a sustainable lifestyle with young kids. Like I got, I got a six-month-old. Brady has a four-month-old. Andy's settling down himself. It's just being away from home seven months of the year just isn't ideal. Like I tip my hat off to do it. I know it's like especially with with trying to raise a family and trying to have sort of a stable home life and. You know, it's it's very different now to when we were 19 years old. And it's like what, what we wanted to do was play shows and party and stuff like that. But what we want to do now is, you know, experience, you know, settle down. We're, we're married. We've got kids and really just have a family. Be an adult, basically, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is man, it's, it's what life's about, you know what I mean? Well, it's confronting being ad- an adult, but uh, I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure with your young fella, when there's moments of that, the peacefulness when he's asleep and you're standing there, that's better than any gold record or any Rolling Stone cover you could ever come across. Hundred percent. It just puts everything in perspective. You know what I mean? Like we we had some fun. We did some pretty cool stuff. But at the end of the day, it's it's got nothing on you know being a dad and having a young family. It's just it's just the best. Well, I hope when uh, your kids are teenagers, they give you a bit of street cred saying, oh, dad was in a rock and roll band that that topped the charts. I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know. I've got no, teenagers myself, so I'd say don't <laughs> hold your breath. But uh, <laughs> Unreal, Sean, thank you very much for your time, mate, and uh, congratulations on, on what you guys have achieved with Short Stack. And again, is the door slightly open or the door's totally shut? Oh, I think it's pretty sharp. <laughs> we still talk. We have like a group chat on Facebook. So this uh, this lovely young lady the other day had like a um, petition on the Facebook page, on our Facebook page. 4,000 people liked it or something like that. And it's like, man, we're pretty fortunate that we created something that people still care about so much without, you know, we don't inject any, we don't actively inject anything into it, you know? So it's, um, man, we're just, we're just very lucky. Well, if you look at the comments on YouTube and all that sort of stuff, you guys had a significant uh, part in people's growing up, and and that's yeah. all you can ever ask for. I'm sure when you uh, you you played your first youth rock, you know, with the boys together, you, you never never thought you could ever get to such a level of what you guys did, and you know, no. well done. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it, mate. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Sean for your time, and thanks to Short Stack for the music. If you enjoyed the episode, please click subscribe. And if you could leave a review or a rating at iTunes, that would be unreal. If you have any guest requests or suggestions, you can email me at mycoast2 at bigpond.com. That's M-Y-C-O-A-S-T, the number two, at bigpond.com. Or like our Facebook page, All Australian Music Stories. I'd like to thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And until next time, hail, hail, Australian rock and roll. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written, produced 
and presented by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl!